Hey, this is Isaiah Smallman, and you're listening to I Guess We'll Do It That Way, a podcast where I call my buddy John each week to talk about life, movies, and directing my first feature film. It's presented by Mama Bear Studios. Mama Bear's mission is to create entertaining works of art that explore our humanity. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. All right, here's episode one. Oh, I hear you, my dude. Oh, baby. Hold up. Are we in biz? Oh, yeah, this sounds amazing. Although, quit bumping your mic, Bumpy McBumperson. What's going on, my man? I'm I'm just pumped about this podcast, dude. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you at this very moment. I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. I agree. Do you think we're a little late to the podcast game, though, dude? (sighs) I don't know. Is there an end to the podcast game? I mean, that implies that there's a that there's a finite end to it. We're going to have headsets on, sitting on our couches. Ne- we're not going to be talking to each other. So, yeah, I think the podcast dies. Mm. VR mm. headsets okay. or, you know, whatever whatever the next thing mm-hmm. is. All right, let's move on. Um, John, That's would you like me. to uh, tell everyone who you are? I'm little Johnny Bear, and let's do this thing, my dude. Johnny Bear, are you the big bear, the papa bear, the mama bear, or the baby bear? And how do you like your porridge? <laughs> I've got a little bit of a crisis, man. I'm I'm the big bear here, but our little friend, our little furry friend, got reunited just less than an hour ago with her real mom, little kitty cat. Who's going to produce the show? I'm, I'm doing it on the fly myself. She stepped outside this afternoon, and who should be there? You're kidding me. No. Who should be there but her actual mother, or I'm pretty sure it was her mother. What? An identical, full-grown cat. What? They met, they bonded immediately, and... um she couldn't be less interested in me anymore. She's still coming okay. around for food, but we're in crisis mode here, man. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now, and I'm not a litigious person, mm-hmm. but I didn't sign a contract with her so that she could just walk out in the middle of a show. I think we got a case against the mom cat. I really Well, do. I guess we got to find another cat to produce the show because all the controls were configured for cat paws. There are so many, so many stray cats running around here, and I'm not helping Do you want to the train them? Do you want to train another cat? I may, I may. I don't want to train another cat to be our producer. I was kind of like, all those years of training, I don't know if I want to go through that again. The 37, minutes, the 37 minutes we spent on Tuesday training her, most of it was a sexual harassment class. <laughs> Dude, cats get feisty. You gotta, you really got to make sure that they understand what boundaries are. They start to breed uh, just about the same time as their eyes fully open. They just immediately start banging out <laughs> just more cats. Banging. Um, baby cats having baby cats. It's a wild cat world out there. It's, it's a cruel Maybe world we should for try a, a dog. You know what? I cannot imagine a dog walking out on us. Maybe we should train a dog to be our producer. They are much, much more loyal. Yeah. Good. Well, so this is uh, this is the show. I guess we'll do it that way. John, I feel like... Maybe you should take a quick stab at explaining to our many, many listeners Mom, what this show is and why they're listening to us right now. Zay's working on a movie, and we decided that we're going to get together and discuss that and any other topic related to it. And we're going to let you, the millions and millions of Americans and internationals listening right now, you're going to get a sneak peek, a glimpse into our conversations billions potentially i'm making a movie as you pointed out i'm excited about making that movie i've been making movies for a while 
I've produced a number of movies, but I've never directed a feature. I've, I've directed lots of other stuff. Um, but I'm excited about actually chronicling a little bit of that process because I actually know surprisingly little about certain aspects of the process, even of some of the movies that I've helped produce because things just flip by, you know, and there's not always time to actually like go into depth. And that's the kind of stuff that I think maybe someone would be interested in listening to. There's one guy in Wisconsin right now who is... I'll make it for that one guy. <laughs> yes, I will too. Teddy Bronson, this is for you, baby. Sheboygan I love you. Strong. Sheboygan Strong forever. Thank you, Teddy Bronson, for being our one fan. I hope that this is an informative and fun experience for you. And please donate, Teddy. Teddy, we are... We're desperate. Our cat just walked out on us, Teddy. We got to train a dog now. Right after we spay and or neuter Just, that animal. Oh, and that's going to cost more money. Teddy, we're in a tight spot. So, Zay, before we start, you need to tell me and everyone or anyone listening what you do, how you got here, why you're making a movie, and why Oh, you don't trust me? You. Barely. Our, our one producer already ran out, and you're 50% of this okay. operation, so you're 50% <laughs> to blame. Okay. I'll send you my resume. <laughs> I studied English at a prestigious, unheard of Christian liberal arts college in the Southeast. I did not go to film school. I thought mm. about it, but I wasn't going to get into any of the good ones. And I uh, studied English, read some excellent, excellent books. Like, uh, I don't know. You're, you're struggling to come up with one title. I skipped a lot of them. I hear. I, I read a lot it. of Shakespeare. I read a lot of Shakespeare. Mm. I skipped a lot of Shakespeare. <laughs> no, I studied English. I, I started making stuff in like middle school. You know, I started just with a handy cam and all. But um, starting in, in college, uh, I started a film festival with some some folks, um, including Drew Bells, who I then right when I was finishing college, I started a commercial production company with. And we kind of grew that over the years, you know, I guess over the course of like four years, it got to it got pretty big. We had about maybe 20 people or so working for us full time, including some freelancers on top of that. And that was when I kind of started to realize that I actually wanted to make movies and not make advertising for the rest of my life. And I started talking to some investors. In the process, actually, I should say, we also produced a feature documentary that was set in Chattanooga. It's called Build Me a World. And in the process, I started talking to some investors that we had met very early on in the life of the company, within the first like nine months of starting it. That was that company is Fancy Rhino, by the way. You can look it up, and we'll put a link in the show notes. But basically, I started getting antsy. I started realizing that my true passion was making movies, and I f had to figure out kind of a way to do that. And I started talking to our investors, and um, they were like, "Yeah, we think the idea that you have for kind of how to set up this this company is a really good one." Um, let's try some stuff. Uh, and I, you know, we can talk at a different time about kind of what the actual model was, but basically, yeah. So we started, uh, producing, producing movies and writing a bunch of scripts. And the very first one we did was called hunter gatherer directed by a guy named Josh Losey. And it went to South by, which was cool. And you can actually watch that on iTunes and all the other things. Netflix as well. We'll link to it. The next one we did was called Davion. That was, at Sundance and also got a theatrical release and is also on Netflix and everything. 
uh, iTunes. Obviously, I'd love for you to buy it on iTunes, but you don't have to. And then the most recent thing that we produced is called Never Going Back. That was at Sundance this past year, and it's getting released on August 3rd in theaters. So that's kind of like a little bit of my background. And in the meantime, I've been writing and producing a lot of other stuff that's just still, you know, kind of uh, in process. So can we find something that you have written and directed already? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll link to that's a great question. I've done a lot of shorts. Um, there's probably two or three that I am most likely to to want to show off. Broken Mast is one. Three Years is another one. And uh, I like Chattanooga on Sale. Did you ever see Chattanooga on Sale? I'll, I'll link. To I have fun, but I will. It's very goofy. It's very goofy. I'll put I'll put them all on the I'll put them all on the links. Did you make all of these in Chattanooga? Yeah, yeah, I did. And yep. where do you live now? Do you live in Chattanooga? I now? live in Los Angeles. Sunny, beautiful, seventy-seven degrees, Hollywood. Belly of the beast, just soaking it in. I'm looking at a palm tree right now. How long have you been? It there? is, it is the belly of the beast. Six months. So not too long. Not too long. No, I'm a fresh cookie. I'm like still melting a little bit. What's the biggest difference between the beautiful, beautiful Southeast and sunny California? You know, it's kind of similar. Everyone in the, you know, there's a lot of crazy conservatives in the Southeast that want to like split off their states. Yeah. You know, kind of secede oh, yeah. from the union. You're talking about me right now. Is that what you want, John? I'm open are you part of a militia? John, are you part of a militia? Yes or no? Not yet, but I'm interested. Hmm. Which one would you join if you joined one? I'd make one. Uh, oh. Like a not, like a not crazy racist militia? Like a. <laughs> Just a true, equal opportunity libertarian militia. I'm trying to turn Tennessee into New Jersey. That's my, that's what mm. our militia's goal is. You could just move to New Jersey. Although I don't know why you'd ever do that in a million years. Beautiful state. Is that mean? No, no, no. It's uh, it's a misunderstood state. You know, it's um, it's. Beautiful. It does have some pretty rolling hills, some beaches, and the people are just lovely. Famous for their hospitality, just like the South. Have you met Bruce Springsteen? And if so, what did you say to him? Every New Jerseyan, when you're born, meets Bruce Springsteen. It's state law. You have to meet him. I shook his hand. I said, hello, sir. He performed my circumcision. It's, He's gotten pretty good at that then. It's New Jersey Do you think law. he holds the world? He might hold the world record for most circumcisions performed. He's tied, yeah. When did they enact this law? Oh, whenever he was born, 1967. Hmm. Young circumcisions. He wasn't very good when he started. Hmm. <laughs> Some accidents. So, so, Zay, what's the process of this film right now? Okay. What stage of the of the film are you in right now? The film is called Rollers. I should probably start with that. The film is called Rollers. Rollers. It's Rollers. About, it's about Rollers. kids that do ecstasy. What is it about? It's a comedy, and it is about a historic concert venue called Rollers. The story kind of follows the three main characters, Rufus, Maddie, and Jane. Rufus and Maddie are brother and sister. They bought Rollers, sort of saved it from the, the jaws of real estate developers who were going to tear it down. They were able to do that because their parents died, and they came into not a ton of money, but enough to sort of get into some trouble, put a down payment on this place, and kind of revitalize it and they have a number of really great years uh a lot of really great stuff happens a lot of bands kind of come out and and get big you know by sort of starting there but we the story mostly takes place about 10 years after they buy it and things are f not great 
Maddie's ready to move on with her life. Rufus is probably wants to move on with his life, but cannot really allow himself to do that because he spent too much of his time and, and emotional energy and invested too much of his identity in, in building this place. And now, you know, admitting failure is, um, is not really an option. And Jane, his best friend who he has a lot of history with kind of comes back and is this drawn from a personal story? Do you have some experience at a venue or something? I, you know, I don't have specific experience at a venue. I did perform a lot as a kid. I was in a gospel choir. It was, it was different. I was in a gospel choir. We, we, we toured all over the country. You can look it up. Sandtown children of praise. I should link to a video. You sang in this in this choir. I did for years. You I grew records. up in West Baltimore. Like, there are we cut we cut your records. Face on them? Oh, dude! When I went to said small Christian liberal arts college, yes. I met people who I did not know who knew who I was. No. When they when they heard that like not my name but like when they heard that I was in Sandtown, they were like, "Oh my gosh, I saw you when I was 11. That's insane. Isn't that weird? Did you make any money from it? No, 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 no. It was like a nonprofit. Oh, somebody was making no, some money. No, there was no money. There was no money. Unbelievable. But it was but you fun. had some notoriety. You had some celebrity from this. Yeah, we performed at some uh, some big festivals and Bonnaroo. I think the biggest crowd was seventy three thousand people, and that's not a joke. Whoa, that is not a joke. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. That's a lot of people. This artist that was kind of helping us a little bit gave us like half of his headlining slot. Who was the artist? Michael W. Toby Smith. Mac. Did you oh. ever hear DC Talk? Oh, baby. Who hasn't? Jesus Freak, baby. Jesus Freak. Yeah, Can you remember they're... how that song goes? Oh, not really, actually. <laughs> Give me a lick. Oh, I'm trying to remember. We should Dead. pull it up, huh? Dead. <laughs> you should pull it up. No, it's going to bring back horrifying memories. Oh, I'm going to pull it up right now. Of just being proselytized around a campfire by an over-eager kid who went to a college like we did. Yeah, that was never quite our style. Hold did on. you have altar calls? Did you have an altar call where you asked no, people to come it up was, and No, it convert? was not like that. It was very poppy. It was kind of fun. Preaching? Is there preaching interspersed? Yeah, can you hear that? Oh, just brings back so much sadness. <laughs> Dude, these guys were big. What are they doing right now? What are these guys doing? I really don't know. They probably live in the apartment next to you in Los Angeles. Maybe we should have Toby Mac on the show. What do you think of that? Does he still perform? I don't know. Let's find out. There's Talk to him about what he's out. up to. Toby, we know you're listening hey, Tobes. out there. Toby, give us a call. Tobes. Are you tired of this song? It's atrocious, man. Hey, don't hate. I kind of like it. Anyway, how many kids fun. do you think were converted because of that song? Ooh, dozens. I don't know least. if that was their audience. Was that their audience? I'm sure some kid looked through the liner notes and converted. Okay, moment of truth here. Hit me. I really hope that the movie that I'm making. I hope it's really good. I hope it's not the kind of thing that anyone like looks back on 20 years from now and thinks yeah he tried that's the risk you take i hope people look back on it and they're like damn that's good 
Yeah, that's the risk you take. That is the risk I take. It's a it's a very scary risk. I'm terrified actually. I am I'm not terrified to the extent that I'm not going to do it, but it it's scary. I mean, I've already put so much effort because okay, so I I don't have a super personal connection to venues specifically. Right. right. But I uh, a lot of the emotional stuff does come from a very personal place, which is a, I didn't, you know, this is weird. I didn't re- totally realize this until I was writing my director statement, which is a whole thing, you know, like when you're trying to pitch the movie around, you put a book together and typically you include a director statement that's kind of like, this is why I'm writing this or this is why I think I'm the director that should be making this. And I was thinking about it and I was like, man, this whole thing is about letting go of something, right? And I knew kind of that the the, the real root of it was me letting go of the business that I started, you know, this business fancy rhino, I had to, I had to let it go in order to kind of start mama bear. Mama bear is the, obviously the production company that I now, you know, run that is, um, you know, it's producing this podcast and all that kind of stuff. But thanks guys. I had to, I had to leave fancy rhino and I, and I chose to leave it right before someone who I will not name, but an executive that we kind of hired to come in and run the thing nearly killed it. Harvey And that was, it was Harvey strikes again. Biggest mistake <laughs> of your career. You can say that again. He was toxic three Gosh. months ago, but he was cheap. So everyone knew. Yeah, I know it was. We thought maybe he had repented, and we were wrong. Buy low, so um, high. That's what you guys thought. Yeah, we bought low and sold lower, but mm. we thought, yeah, this other guy. I'm sure if you really want to find out who it is, you can. Um, he did not do a good job. He was very bad at running our company. And he almost ruined it. Why did Thankfully, you turn it over my, to him in the first place? Well, because we were we were ready to go to the next level and frankly felt like we were not the people that were capable of maybe doing that. From a business standpoint. From a business standpoint. This guy was a hot shot. Like big time executive creative director vice president level at a major global agency and we thought if anybody can start locking down major deals because we were doing a lot of work with like fortune 500 companies like nike and office depot and mohawk flooring and lodged cast iron and uh, disney at times and we thought how do we go from where we are to the next level? We got to get a big. We got to get a big boy in here. We got to get a grown right. up in the mix. How old are you guys at this time? Twenty five, babies, You're babies. Little and we've already babies. been doing it for four years at that point. That's amazing. That's so young. We were babies, and, and you we guys were, were making money, right? You were making money. You're doing well. Yeah, we were getting... making money. We weren't getting rich. We were making money. We were making. But you money, had a successful you know, like, business. We were mostly reinvesting the money back into the business to grow. That's how we got big. You know. Right. But it was a legit business. Yeah. And, and we so thought. So it sounds like you guys were making and, and the I right was, calls. Yeah, we were. We were doing a good job. And then I thought this is when, you know, Drew, my business partner, that there's another thing that he's kind of still noodling on, um, which I'll let him talk about one day. But basically the idea was we, I got to make movies, you know. And um, this guy came along and it was like, holy smokes. Uh, we weren't just going to kind of leave the business willy-nilly but like if anybody can handle this thing it's this guy right that was not the case but by the time it became clear what was going on 
we had already started mama bear we were already in the middle of producing hunter gatherer we had already done a bunch of other stuff invested money in things and i wasn't couldn't just walk away and so it was a very difficult process of of drew and i and our investors and everyone involved our, our key employees and everybody kind of coming to grips with uh, where the business was and i'm happy to say you know it, it survived it's doing really well it's great um it's much smaller than it was which i think is what it always should have been it's not that we won't grow again but i think we learned some really hard lessons and we've got an incredible core team and it's in a great place and i was actually just back there a few days ago in in chattanooga and it's a phenomenal business. I mean, they're working with huge, great companies and, and making really terrific work. But it also just wasn't who I was, you know? You dumped wasn't this my guy. Thing. You dumped this character. Oh, we got rid of him. Oh, we dumped him so hard, dude. And he went back to Sterling and Brown or wherever he worked? What happened? Is yeah. he in jail? Who knows? Who even knows? I don't know. He's certainly not in jail. He's probably making buku money somewhere. Just raking it in. But um, the movie is really, it, it, it's it's totally fictionalized, but it is really rooted in those emotions of being like, whoa, I way over-invested my identity in this place. I can't allow something to fail because that will ruin me. And that's not a particularly good way to live your life. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. It's not like a good you're place doing to be. The same thing though with this movie though. Are you putting all your ba- your eggs in this basket? Your self-worth is tied up in this? I'm trying every single day to not do it. But you're going to be exposed in a way. It's either good or bad. You're going to be exposed as yeah. a good writer, a good director or or a not bad director. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to be exposed. And that's what's scary, but I think I think I've grown a lot. I think I have made a lot of progress in, in the sense of growing up and, and, and realizing that, you know, it's funny, actually, I had a great conversation, and, and this conversation actually was very thematically relevant for the movie. I had a great conversation with someone who I don't actually know that well. It was a a woman who was married to a guy that we were interviewing for a job. This is probably two years ago. No, it was it was less than that. I, I don't actually remember exactly when it was. And I usually am not even involved in the interview process, but this guy was like, and he's still working with us. I don't want to say who it is, but like great guy. He was up and we were having dinner and we were hanging out and I was explaining how I felt about rollers. And I was like, I really got to make this movie. I have to make it. It's inside of me. I've been wanting to make a movie since I was like 12. I mean, literally I've been wanting to make a movie since I was 12. Is the script and, written at this point? Oh, the script is done. The script is tight. It is. Is it done tight? Is it done two years ago when you have the conversation with this guy? No, no, it was not. It's just an idea rattling around in your it head. It was a, it was the, it was a pilot. But I, I knew I wanted to make a different movie. Actually, at this point, that was what. So the process of rollers, I, I wrote a different movie maybe three and a half, four years ago, and that was a big kind of action movie. And then I came up with a great idea for how to scale it back, make it small, and I was like, that's going to be the first movie I direct. Right. I rewrote it. I really like it. I'm actually still working on it to this day. Um, as we'll see, as we kind of, we, you know, we should do a whole episode on just sort of script development, but, um, and, and all the pitfalls and, and challenges, and maybe we can have somebody on to talk about it. But basically, I rewrote it, and I was still like, you know, this just isn't small enough for me to make as a first-time director. Or if, it, if, I, if I did pull it off, it would take a very long time. Right. And I decided to shift gears and 
there was a pilot that I wrote rollers and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to turn this, this pilot into a movie because I was, I was talking to a bunch of different people in the industry about producing at different networks. And, and I just realized that frankly, I'm just not at the point as a producer or as a director or as a writer where I can just snap my fingers and get a TV show made. I mean, I can't snap my fingers and get a movie made either. Not yet, but I definitely cannot get a TV show made right now. And so I was like, you know, I wonder if there's another idea in there. And as soon as I, as soon as I opened myself up to that, I realized that the, it, it wanted to end. And part of the reason I think it wasn't a good TV show is because it had an ending. Right. And I just cranked on it. And, uh, but, oh, the conversation. Did it was an incredibly pitch, meaningful conversation. Before you conversation. tell us about the conversation, did you pitch this pilot to companies like Netflix, Amazon? Yeah, not, um, not Netflix or Amazon because I just didn't have any particular like contacts at that point who I could right. pitch it to. But, yeah, like networks like IFC and – Right, right. A lot, mostly, mostly a lot of production companies who do TV, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were like, "Look, like this is really good, but we just feel like you need, you know, we we need to bring on, uh, you know, an executive producer or a director. And frankly, we've got other projects that are higher priority. It's just not going to happen right now. Call us in six months." And I was just like, "All right, I get it, but I'm not going to wait around. You know, I gotta, I gotta make some stuff." In the future, we need to drill down on this. In another episode, we have to talk about this because just the idea of you sitting in a room with guys from IFC, like, I need to know what that looks like, what it feels like. I I think that's Mm -hmm. an experience that so few people have and many people are curious about. But we got to skip over that. The conversation, you had this conversation two years ago with this guy. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, it it was with his wife, actually. We were all sitting at dinner. And I had had a couple drinks and I was kind of venting, not venting. I was, I was sharing, bearing my soul a little bit and saying, I, I'm, I, I, I had this moment of realization where I realized movies, and this is kind of what this podcast is about. Movies take a very, very long time to make. And if I want audiences, real people watching this movie in the next five years, I got to start now. I got to figure out what that movie is now, which seems crazy, but I was expressing how much anxiety that that was causing me. I think I was in, I, I frankly, I think I was in a much less healthy emotional place at that point. And she looked at me and she said, that's great, man. You seem super talented and I really hope that works out, but you need to know that if you never make a movie in your whole life, it's okay you're enough. Like your family will not hate you and you are still valuable as a human being, even if you never make that movie. And you stood up and you walked out. (laughs) She just dropped the mic and I was just like, Oh no, dude, it struck me deep. It's very true. It, It hit me. Yeah, of course it's true. But dude, I needed that so bad. I needed to hear that so bad. And, and, and that's actually really what rollers is about. I mean, I didn't even know that at the time. And so there's, it's okay if I let something go. It's okay if I fail. It's okay if I try things. Life is bigger than that. Life is bigger than success. Life, life is, is about more than, than the things you accomplish. And now I'm getting all cheesy, but it's real, dude. And that's honestly what the movie's about. The movie is about that. The movie is about you make choices. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't work out. And you move on with your life, and the only thing you really need to worry about is whether or not you are like loving people in your life, taking care of your shit, 
And if you do that, the rest of it figures itself out. You can be ambitious. You can, you can accomplish things, you know? These are wise words. Thanks. I, I don't know. I guess part of the reason I'm rambling about this is because I really think that that's actually what this show is about. This show, I want to be totally raw. I want to be totally real with the three and a half people that are going to listen to this thing. The half is a baby that's inside its mother's womb while she listens to it on speakerphone. And I want to be super real and I want to be like, there are going to be times where I'm like, this movie's not going to get made. Frankly, this movie might not get made. I do not know how this podcast or this aspect of the podcast, I don't know if the podcast will will end with the movie. I I think we're going to find lots of stuff to talk about. But like, I don't know if I'm going to make the movie or not. But that to me is interesting. I mean, I, I, I... Lots of movies don't get made, and I could go through lots of other examples, and and maybe we can devote some episodes to these types of things of movies that we've developed that have not gotten made and probably won't ever get made. And frankly, rollers could be in the same situation. I mean, where it's at now, it's in a promising position. Somewhere, I've raised the money that somewhere I on a yacht, uh, an Arab financier is pulling his hair out when he heard you say that this film might not get made. He's he's Russian, dude. Don't tell anybody, but he's a Russian guy. I traded him the movie for some dirt. He's calling and, his lawyer uh, right now. I can hear the dial tone. Oh, I know. If the movie doesn't get made, all it means is a better podcast. I know. I kind of hope it doesn't because it would be such a better podcast. Because, I mean, the chances of me like getting famous because of this movie, oh, they're so slim. But there's I mean, a chance. So, oh, there's a chance. There's always there's a chance. Always You're a saying chance. there's a chance. John, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> My favorite, uh, my favorite movie, movie is Fellini's Eight and a Half. That's such a pretentious answer, but it's it was the oh, f- it's so good. It's a great movie, and it's you know it's metaphysical, it's existential, it's crazy. It's a great film. Uh, what's what's your favorite part of Eight and a Half? Oh, the credits at the end. You know, mm. no, I'm kidding. Can you describe them? The, <laughs> I think they're black and white, and they they're moving. Um, it's a lot of text. The, but I, all I do is watch kids' movies, man. That's all I watch now. Because mm. I got little kids, so I'm mm. watching like The Incredibles and stuff over and over again. What's the what's what's a movie that you've watched recently with the kids? We just less than 24 hour, hours ago, we watched Steven Spielberg and George Lucas's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, baby! It was intense. I don't remember seeing it as a child. I saw it as a child, but I barely remember it. You know, there are a few images I have in my head uh, when they open the ark and people's faces mm. melt. I remember that vividly. Oh, God. Dude, the ending is a little much. I remember it vividly, and now— And the guy getting chopped up oh, in, the in the propeller? Yeah. Oh, my these are sh- These are shocking images, and now— John, your kids are too young for this. They're scarred for life. Did they sleep last night? Barely. Almost not at all. Oh man, it's just a mix of crying. They were just and you screaming. just woke up at four in the yeah, just just shouting, just trem- what, trem- <sighs> trembling in fear. These movies are. What were they doing when the guy's face melted? I mean, crying. I, they were crying. They were crying. Oh man, I, that's so good. I'm kidding. They loved it. I mean, the effects. You know, we had a discussion after how mm. how do they do this? Mm. Because the kids actually they, thought they, that a human. Because what? Why? Because the kids actually thought a human was being murdered. They thought, no. yeah, they, they asked me after, th- <laughs> how many real people died to make that movie? They did not. They did. They actually asked me. Movie magic, baby. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one because I'm, I'm torn. Wow. I don't want to spoil the illusion for them, but I also want them to sleep. 
sometime in the future. Yeah. Mm. They were they were disappointed. That must be an intense experience. I mean, that's intense. Thinking that you're watching a real human die. An actual death, yeah. It's horrifying. That is very intense. And it makes perfect sense. What was your sense. explanation? I just Let's see how much you know about movies. What was your explanation for how they did it? Well, I just explained to them that in the world there are people that are worth living and people that aren't worth living. So they take the people that aren't worth living and they put them in movies and kill them for real and film it. That's <laughs> They were fine with it. They thought that was fine. You told them about the expendable people. That's something you're not supposed to tell people until later. They, they got a quick early lesson. It was like telling them about the birds and the bees too soon. Hmm. I have a whole stand-up bit that I do about the birds and the bees. I'm not going to do it now. Oh, but you'll have to do it at some point. One day. You'll have I'm going to gonna sneak it in there. Did you perform this on stage? Oh, yeah. At Yuck Yucks in Chattanooga? What, what's it called? <laughs> Yuck Yucks. Oh, uh, JJ's, Barking Legs, Honest Pint. I probably performed it at all of them. What kind of audiences did you have Oh, so small. Did, so small. How many standing ovations did you get? Oh, so, so many zero. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be the, one of the scariest types of performance, right? It's you. You know, that's why I did it. Nothing else. It's hideous. That's why I did it because I, I, I think I needed – well, first of all, this is actually kind of why I'm doing the podcast. Not to be funny, but because I like the idea of putting work out more often right you know as a filmmaker if you are cranking i mean really cranking you put out a movie every 18 months very few people achieve that pace and again we'll talk throughout this movie i mean about this podcast about why that's the case but i mean that is woody allen writes and directs a movie a year love him or hate him it's crazy but also half his movies suck and that nobody's beating that pace, right? And as an independent filmmaker, it's not even close to 18 months. It's probably more, unless you're just making teeny tiny movies, which some people have figured out a way to do. But I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I'm a creative person. I gotta make stuff more often, you know? I can't just do 90 minutes of content every 18 months. That's lame, yeah. you know? And so I was doing stand-up. And uh, it was hard. I, I did not get, I, I started getting more laughs. But, man, it was brutal. I got a lot of blank stares. I mean, that, it's just part of the process. What do you do when you bomb? What What's the process? Have Ooh, you bombed? You just keep moving. Oh, have I bombed? I have mostly bombed. <laughs> what do you do? Walk me through I've that. I have mostly bombed, John. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm surprised. I just want to know what the process is like. Dude, you stand up there and you keep telling jokes until your time's up. And it is, have you been jeered at? Have you been screamed at, yelled at, heckled? No, not heckled as much. I mean, th- here's the thing, though. JJ's, the audiences, for an open mic, dude, this place was popping. I mean, there there were typically audiences of 25 to 50 people. And same with Comedy Catch. Quite a few people showed up. And I actually got bigger laughs sometimes with the bigger crowds, you know, because I was telling okay jokes. I just wasn't a good performer, you know, I, I, I've been writing for so long that I think I was writing decent jokes, but I just, my pace wasn't right. I just hadn't found my voice yet. And I think I started to find my voice towards the end and I realized, you know, I'm spending 25 hours a week in a bar. I don't need to do this. You know, like I, I, I just, I, I, I got, I should get better writing scripts. You know, I'm not going to be a professional standup. I'm a screenwriter. Did it I'm a help director. you? Do you think it I should be you? spending 25 hours a week writing. I think I'm really glad I did it. I'd like to do it again. Do you think it changed? But do you think I, that changed your personality at all to 
to just put I think it made me more resilient. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I realized I, I, I realized I can fail in front of people and it's fine. I go home and no big deal. Well, we're doing it again. And that's part of the reason right I did now. it. I know people are going to hate this so much, dude. <laughs> They're gonna... I can't wait to get trolled so hard. My friend uh, lost his license in Mexico and somebody found it and put it up on a Facebook page that mocks Americans who lose <laughs> their licenses in Mexico. <laughs> How did he even find out about this Facebook page? It seems like the kind of thing that would be totally secret. Yes. I don't know. Someone sent it to him, and he showed it to me, and it was just you know hundreds of insults hurled at him in Spanish. That sounds incredible. It's intense. I want to find this website. I'll send you a link in the show notes, my friends. Oh, baby. Man, our show notes are getting beefy. So, Zay, we're going to check in together in a week. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue this conversation. And you're going to tell us what? What are you going to be telling us next week? What are we going to be talking about, my dude? I don't know. I mean, I think we should we should set a topic potentially. What's something that you might be interested in? I think we should have like a general topic. I think we should have a sense of what we're going to cover. And I also, I mean, right now, I can tell you what I'm working on. Right now, I'm waiting on some casting directors. Um, actually, how about this? Maybe next week we talk about why I'm waiting on casting directors and why I'm going to casting directors and and not just going directly to cast and the decision that I made to go that route. Does that sound interesting? Next week. I don't know. Let's talk about casting directors. Casting. Sounds sinister. That has sinister overtones, doesn't it? Because of casting couch. I think so. Yeah. That's immediately what I think of. Harvey. It's Harvey. Damn you, Harvey. That guy's freaking tentacles are just wrapped all over everything. Is he in jail? Did he get busted? I don't think he's in jail because our justice system is absolutely insanity. I feel like Trump. There are children, John. I feel like Trump might pardon this guy. John. Oh, oh, he, he just, I would not be at all. Throw a wrench. John, I want to throw a little, I want to throw a little thought experiment at you. Hit me. If there was a country where there were children in jail, because their parents brought them to the United States because they were fleeing warfare. And there was a man who has raped people who is still probably sailing around on his yacht in the Cayman Islands and has no real plan of probably ending up in jail at any point. Would you consider that a modern country with an actual functioning government? It sounds like you're trying to entrap me to say something (laughs) negative about America and I'll never do it. I love this country. I support the troops. John, it just occurred to me that we might have one listener. Tell me. It's the NSA. Oh, definitely. At the very least, we have one listener. I feel good about that. I feel like we're doing Oh, and we have Teddy Bronson. We're doing our part in the resistance by boring the shit out of these NSA guys right now. Reducing their will to live. Do you think Teddy Bronson's still listening right now? I think when you said earlier that half of Woody Allen's movies suck, we lost Teddy. Oh, no. He bailed. Teddy! <laughs> Come back. He's got the cat. Teddy, we need you. <laughs> oh, no. That's why the cat ran off. Teddy and the cat. Uh, all right. Well, we should probably go so that we can review some applications for dog producers. We'll be back in a week. Talk soon, buddy. Love you. Love you. 
I well, I so I, today I woke up and I thought my back hurt. Yeah. It, well, my back does hurt. My back hurts. I woke up and I was like, my back hurts. Yeah. Why does my back hurt? Yeah. I guess I tweaked it. I guess I slept wrong. I guess I bent over in the wrong way. I guess I lifted a table. I'm just constipated, dude. Did you take a big dump? No. I tried right before we started recording. Ooh. It ended very uneventfully. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. That's so, it's, it leaves a terrible feeling. But yeah. it always takes me like a day and a half to realize that my back isn't hurting. My back is full of shit. Oh, dude, that's you need what's a shit happening. Oh, you need to fix that. That's not good. I barely ever get constipated. That's why I never notice it, because I barely ever do it. How many times you poop a day? Do you poop more than one, once or twice a I'm day? I'm a solid two to three times a day yeah. guy. Okay, that sounds good, right? And, and, and so, well, yes, which means if I, if I go a day and a half, I'm in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on like... Let alone two days. I'm on a schedule almost, dude. It's kind of disgusting. That's terrific, dude. And I eat really healthy, so I, I wonder why this... Oh, you know what it is? Domino's. I eat most of a large, most of a large Domino's pizza with pepperoni. I love how you said I eat healthy, and then the next thing you tell us you eat was Domino's pizza. <laughs> well, I do eat healthy. Okay, uh, today, today, you want to know what I've eaten today? Tell me, hit me. Three smoothies, two fried eggs, an avocado, and six beers and a bottle of tequila. Well, yeah, I said eat healthy. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Drink poison. Eat healthy. Thanks for tuning in for episode one of I Guess We'll Do It That Way. Join us next week for a discussion about casting directors and some other stuff. Also, please help us out by subscribing to the show and rating us on iTunes. Today's show was produced and edited by Isaiah Smallman. Executive producer, John Shipp. Intro music is The Get Down, produced by Summer Dregs. Outro music by Tom Paulus and Max Bells. Our cover art was designed by Nate Giordano. This has been a production of Mama Bear Studios. Feeling the heat of the desert air The rambling journey is all I know It's your boy